0: I was walking on Amsterdam Avenue uh, at some point this week, and I saw a moving truck. It happened to be a flat rate moving truck. Um, Some of you might have seen flat rate around. I'm not advertising for them, not now. Um, But as I passed and I was walking with Bear, I said to Bear, you see that truck? Abba used to drive one of those trucks. (laughs) And with big eyes, he said, really? And I said, Abba used to work as a mover. And then he turned to me and said, "Abba, you did a lot of things when you were a little boy." <laughs> so here's a story back from the day when I was a mover. That year of <laughs> that infamous year, I um, my first day on the job, or you know, for the story maybe let's make it my first day. It was what, my first week or something. And I and I'm down at, uh, in, in in the Wall Street area, and we're moving a woman out of her apartment. And the foreman leaves me in the apartment alone and says to me, "Um, don't touch anything. But I really, really wanted to help because, you know, it was my first week and I wanted to prove my chops. And there was a a frame of a bed, a very heavy uh, headboard and a particle wood, but it was a heavy frame. And I took out my uh, Allen key and I started pulling it apart. And I didn't exactly measure the, the, the ratio of the headboard and its weight to the rest of it. And before I knew it, literally within three seconds, the entire frame of the, of the bed was everywhere. It had gone from a frame to, like, wall painting. And, you know, it was like, it was unbelievable. There was wood chips everywhere. And the foreman, this Israeli guy, walks back and he goes... Allah <laughs> Makara, like what did you do? So I you know I was in, I was in shock. And uh, and this is what they did. This is not a story for all of you who might be moving anytime soon. He <laughs> got out a big wardrobe box and he just started taking all the pieces and he put it into the wardrobe box, he taped it up, and he said, done. And then he, he he wrote on the box frame. <laughs> I think about that story um, a lot when it comes to this time of the year. For a lot of us, we live our lives letting things break. We put them into boxes. We sign it off, we say, I'll take care of that down the road. At some point, unbeknownst to these four men, someone was going to ask what happened to their bed frame. But out of sight, out of mind, as long as they don't have to look at it, they think the problem is solved. Every year... At this time of the year, I wonder to myself if collectively the Jewish people have a big box called Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. We put up all kinds of stuff until about a minute after Kol Nidre starts, or a minute after the rabbi gets up to talk, or a minute after we remember, oh yeah, it's that time of the year again. I had a little disagreement with my mother about a month ago, and it was hanging in the air. And you know the way things are with parents, right? Who makes the call first? Do I call first? You know, the way things roll. And we finally had a chance this week to sit down, and there was such a relief, such a relief to not be tangled any in that place. It was such a relief to take out of the box the broken frame, the inevitable broken frame, the frames that break over and over and over again that we relegate and say, oh, you know, I'll get to that. There will be time. Of course there will be time. The Gemara tells a story, just thinking, the Gemara tells a story about a certain rabbi who was on his way to a town and he, uh, he came across a poor person who uh, was asking him for, for money. And the rabbi was, was busy because he had to get to the town. he said, you know, he said, wait a minute. I'll be right back. I'm going and I'll, I'll be right back. And, Joe, you'll tell me later if I got this story wrong because I'm just remembering it now. But it's, he, he goes to the town, right? And then he, by the time he comes back to take care of the poor person, what happened? He died. There will always be time. Trust me, there'll be time. It's so hard to do the work now, isn't it? it? It feels so urgent. But not only do we procrastinate on writing sermons, I'm the worst with that, but we procrastinate with, <clears throat> with living. With living. This week's portion, kitavo appears every single year, and the Hazidic masters like to play games with titles of, of the portions of the week. So they'll often make a sentence out of the very words that make up the titles, and then sequence them to tell a story. And so last week was Ki Tetzay, when you leave, and this week is Ki Tavo, when you arrive. And the portion is essentially about having arrived in the land of Israel. Here are the list of things that you have to do in order right, to stay in the land. And surprise, surprise, the Torah tells us that once we arrive at the promised land, there's still the possibility that you'll be cursed. The land can't save you. Come into the land, place a blessing on one mountain, another blessing on another, add a curse on another mountain, and then make sure you do all of these different things. The land can't save you, the Torah is saying. You can arrive at the place that you think you've been spending your whole life getting towards. And the Torah says, the minute you arrive, you'll say, What's next? What else? What do I have to do? What's the work? When I, you come to the land that I will give you, says the Torah, your work is not done. Our work is never done. So, what is our work? that isn't ever done. The Torah says, when you arrive in the land, the first thing you need to remember is that after you work and seed the land and toil the soil and the land will give forth its fruits, the first thing you do is you give it away. The first thing you do when you come to the land after you have worked is you give it away. Amazing. The Zohar calls all of the mitzvot in the Torah, good advice, right? the Torah says, all of the commandments, all of the practices in the Torah, on some level, are some, is somebody saying to you, Here, here's a good piece of advice, Don. Here's a good piece of advice. So what's the advice? You come into the land, give it away. You come into the land, give it away. At the end of the portion, we find out what it's all about. And listen to these verses because this is our work this time of the year. This is our work every day of the year. This is our work. Moses is about to die. The Torah, Actually, the Midrash says this is the day of his death. Moses says to the people, you have seen all that God has done for you before your very eyes. The miracles, the wonders. The prodigious signs and marvels. And God hasn't given you a heart that knows and eyes that see and ears that can hear until this moment. The Midrash says, what does he mean until this moment? Until I died. Because the entire time in the desert you thought that it was all about me. I was giving you all of these things. You trusted in me. You thought I would save you. Or just simply you just didn't have awareness of what it was that was going on in your life. How often in my day, confession, do I find myself thinking that life is going to begin when I get there? I keep checking in all the time with myself, wondering, when I was 15, I kept thinking 44 was going to be the old, like, you must be ancient when you're 44, right? And even now, 44, I must think, wow, when I'm 90, that can't, that's going to be forever down the road. It was yesterday that I was 20, and it's tomorrow that I'm 90, God bless me. And each way we ask ourselves, have I yet begun to live? Am I living right now? Ad hayom yom Moses says, until this day, you didn't have ears. You weren't living. You weren't alive. He kept saying, one day when we get to the promised land. And Moses is saying, no, 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 no. Right now, look. There's a cloud of glory. And right there, there's a Miriam's well. And over there, where is your lave? Where is your heart? Sheyodeah. What will it take, ask yourself, for me to wake up to the miracles that I already have now? So the Torah says, here's a good piece of advice. When you get something, give it away. When you get something, say, here, God, thank you. I trust you. Here, universe, I trust you. I'm so saturated. I'm so present with the blessing that is innate, that is given, that is to me d, that is constant. That I can surrender. I can surrender it and recognize its gift. This helps. This helps us to explain a very strange halakha, a very strange law. The Torah say, The Gemara says that when you're. Walking to a Beit Midrash, when you're walking to Shul, every step is a reward. Every step is called Schar Halicha. We don't have this mitzvah anywhere else in the entire Torah. Let's say there were two Sukkot, there were two huts. People know what Sukkot are, right? And I, I think, okay, which one should I go to? The one on 91st Street or the one on like 121st Street? So let me give you a good piece of advice, too. Go to the one on 91st Street, if you live on 89th Street, obviously. If you live, like, on 21st, go to the one that's closest to you. But when it comes to shuls, which, by the way, for all of you folks that will will introduce yourselves from Chappaqua and other places, there's extra credit for going the extra mile. You Get that? So I heard someone ask a very basic question, why? Why about, why shul? Why is this? Why do we have this law, this interesting law about the accrued merit of going to a shul? And I want to I want to humbly submit that the reason is this: because we think that shul is here, and shul is every step along the way. That's my answer. Shul is every step along the way. The balshemtov who's whose birthday we are celebrating tonight and tomorrow, Chai Elul, who was born on the 18th day of Elul, the, the life day of Elul, the day of life, Chai Elul, 18. He was, once, he was once confronted by a man who said to him, said, Rabbi, my whole life, my whole life, all I do is pray, all I do is work, my whole life, all I want, more than anything in the world, is to show up and to experience uki, to have a taste of God. That's all I do is I'm working so hard. And the Baal Shem Tov, you know what the Baal Shem Tov said to him? He said, Every single moment of your work was its own reward. People know the, the Barking Dogs poem, right? From Rumi. That yearning, that walking, that giving away the truma that itself undoes our tendency to put things off in their box until that day. Now, 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 now's the time. So I warn you with a smile. If you're thinking that I'm going to come up with some inspirational talk on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur to er- to repair a relationship between you and someone you love, think again. If you think that having joined Roman when your membership or any shul in the Upper West Side or wherever they are, that when you arrive on the high holidays, that will be the moment where you'll say, here's my broken frame, think again. If you're saying to yourself, there will be a time, but it's not today, think again. I was walking with a man Yesterday, he was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer, and he knows he's got a very limited amount of time here. And I said to him, if you could say one thing, this coming Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, to people, what would you say? And he said, eat your dessert first. I'd like to add an addendum to his beautiful insight. Open the broken box now. Eat what's bitter now. Use this time before Rosh Hashanah and Kippur as an opportunity to make yourself vulnerable. Because even though there's so much time, there really isn't.